When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'll turn my... How about... Why don't you just open... You can open the show whenever you're ready, okay? (coughs) It's episode 49. So just go ahead and jump in. Go ahead. No, I good. I put it on silent. No, no, please. No, are, are you... Do you need more coffee, or are you good? Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst with Scout. The Scarlet Report, Scoutcast, Episode 49, The Phantom Menace. Sam, signing days passed. Getting ready for the 2018 cycle. Wrestling, really nice showing out at Ohio State. Also, basketball, at least they're playing hard, but this is about signing day right now. It's about... Adidas, not Nike. Lots going on with the Rutgers Athletic Department. It is. It is, Brian. And I don't know if it's a phantom menace anymore. I think we know exactly what the menace to this show is. It's been nice to get a little bit of a rest after signing day. Uh, I'm sure you can hear both of us have a little more energy. I'm not sick anymore, which is just delightful. This is our, our signing day breakdown episode, but we're going to do that in the body of the show. Other things... The news never stops. It's like it's like the mail, Kramer. And I guess the the news that I reported Monday, it's kind of not a well-kept secret at Rutgers, but I decided to sit on it until I could unveil some numbers. The uh, flip from Nike to Adidas as the uh, apparel provider for Rutgers, financially it's like a 40% boost, six-year deal. Brian, you're the soccer guy, so I mean... Outside of the Yeezys, which I know you're excited about, tell me about this deal from a soccer standpoint. Uh, you know, Liverpool's New Balance, so we'll go that direction. But it's uh, Hel- Hellman is also New Balance. Is that right? Yeah, he's is a New right? Balance guy. Okay, good. I'm whatever I have in the closet kind yeah, of guy. What's, for, what's on sale at Costco? Whatever my wife buys. It's interesting because Adidas isn't one of the most recognizable names when it comes to college athletics. A lot of it's Nike. Under Armour. But I understand why this is important to Rutgers. There, there's not a lot of schools in the Northeast that have Adidas. So now Rutgers can become a flagship school where Adidas will treat them, you would think, pretty well. I remember, you know, I may have told you this, Sam, that I worked out in Los Angeles for a spell and huh. UCLA was an Adidas school at the time. And Whoa. it went, yeah, it went back and forth with a lot of different things. But you know, they're a heavy basketball school, and Nike has a heavy influence, obviously, on the basketball side. It's not like Rutgers is missing out on a ton of recruits or, you know, or got a ton of recruits as a basketball school with Nike. So I can't imagine that. And as crazy as it sounds, and you can roll your eyes all you want, yes, especially on the basketball side, decisions do get made based on the sneaker company. Um, and the reason being, a lot of kids on the AU circuit used to play for teams sponsored by Adidas or Nike or whomever. Um, And that's why. So they have an allegiance there from when they're in fifth and sixth grade, and it kind of goes up through the ranks. But for Rutgers and Adidas, man, I've said this time and again, you can go buy, like, uh, whatever uniform shop you want and wear 
doctor's garb and nurse's garb. If it helps you win games, who really cares? If you're going to get more money, they're going to treat you right. They're not going to force horrific uniforms on you that you can't read the numbers. I, I'm, I don't really care. Just go out and play well. Yeah, I'm sure that it's not as attractive a name to some recruits or whatever, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm old and out of touch. Maybe it is more attractive. I really don't know. K.J. Gray put it pretty well the other day. I saw him. K.J. Gray, the Rutgers sophomore safety, his reaction to it was basically... I would have gone to BC <laughs> if I knew they were changing. <laughs> yeah. His reaction was something like, oh, we still get free gear? Great. I don't really care. Uh, and now he doesn't speak for everyone with that, but I think a lot of people don't really care that much. What stands out to me is that we we all know, or at least I hope, have the understanding, Rutgers is not UCLA or Michigan or Louisville when it comes to being an attractive brand yet. So the fact that... I love how you throw yet. Well, I mean, I'm the good cop here. The fact that, you know, Rutgers beat Louisville once in a football game. I don't know if you saw that. I remember. Pretty I was famous. at that game. Papa John Stadium. Sanu played well in it. Yeah, I remember that. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was Steve interesting. Steve Cragthorpe got fired. Um, the, yeah, that was exactly, exactly. Yes. Yes. I get that Rutgers, you know, it's not the same brand. So the fact that there's a company that was still willing to, I guess, outbid another company is how I look at it. Nike was going to keep them basically on the same exact deal that Tim Pernetti signed five years ago that... Like, okay, you could do this for another five years, and I think it would have been second to last in terms of Big Ten rankings for public schools, what you're making. So instead, Pat Hobbs said, well, we'll go with Adidas, and now you're talking about about a 40% increase in your revenue, and it's also more towards the middle of the road of the Big Ten, and that's what Rutgers is all about under Pat Hobbs, is saying we're Big Ten competitive in this in facilities, in this, and once we do all this behind the scenes to get Big Ten competitive, maybe it's going to translate to the field too. That's interesting. I'm listening to you, and you make complete sense for a change, in talking about being Big Ten competitive and being right in the middle, and that's a starting point. But i got to be honest. If you're a Rutgers fan, you got to be tired of hearing about, we just want to be in the middle of the Big Ten. Um, we've heard that with coaching salaries. I mean, you know, facilities, fundraising. You get into it, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. And so this is a good step for them. And and I don't think they could have done anything else with this because it's not like there was this long line, like it was Black Friday where people were waiting to rush in and do this deal with them. So from that standpoint, I get it. And look, if you're Rutgers and everything is financial, um... You get to read about it all the time, about every time somebody sneezes at Rutgers, how much a Kleenex costs to taxpayers. Such a waste of time. Now, the only for me, the only way that stuff works is I want to know how much it costs to Purdue taxpayers when somebody sneezes there, or the Illinois taxpayers when somebody sneezes there, but um, I digress. That's you, called subtweeting on podcasts, by the way. Go ahead. For me, though, I look at it and I say, yeah, it's more money. Maybe if an assistant coach had a job offer somewhere else, it's a extra $50,000, $100,000 to keep him in place. Just stuff like that hmm. that is interesting, but none of it translates to the big picture. 
per se. I mean, because they signed this deal, it doesn't mean, you know, in three years they're guaranteed to go 9-4 and and go to a bowl game. And they're not guaranteed to go to the NIT or NCAA. Now, if I'm Dan Donegan, I should be pretty happy. You know, Adidas is pretty synonymous with the beautiful game. And, you know, eh, whatever. Just means gear. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the guest on this episode, which you're about to hear from, is Burlington Township wide receiver Everett Wormley. Did he try to get his letter rescinded because they moved to Adidas, or is he good? I think Everett Wormley is good, and you're going to hear that in our interview. He's always been vocal, loves to talk, and he's pretty good at talking, so I, I, I like that. I, I always wanted to have Everett on the show, but this just seemed like the right time because he... He follows recruiting more closely than you know some reporters that I can think of. So it's it's kind of fun to get his take on the class, and he'll talk a little 2018 South Jersey that kind of stuff. But before we hear from Everett Wormley and then really jump into the signing day talk, with signing day over, Brian, did you get to do anything non-recruiting related? Like, have you enjoyed the last week at all, not having to call 87 recruits every night? Yeah, you know what I enjoyed. I enjoyed our move to CBS. That's what I enjoyed with Scout. And talking to some of the people um, that we're going to be working with, I, I, I was so excited that I was going to wait until you know the following week to start burning out 2018s. And I sat down on Thursday night and started going through my list of New Jersey 2018s and burned through all those stuff, all those things. So, yeah, that's what, that's what I did. Yeah, it, for me, I joined Scout in 2011, uh, April 26th, which was like the week before I graduated college, and it almost feels like I'm Rutgers because this is my, what, fourth, fifth owner since then, but I'm excited about it because it means some more stability, and like we've said, not a lot of, don't expect much change on the site, especially for now. It's going to be the same stuff. It's just more stability for us behind the scenes. And I think... Just from talking to a few people about it, and we'll be able to know more as it moves forward, because I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know a lot, but I know the people involved with it, and some of the best guys from Scout are coming over from behind the scenes, which I love. You know, guys that brought me aboard, but these are people that understand recruiting, that have a passion for recruiting, but more than that, they have a passion for getting the information out to fans, subscribers, so I... We've never really talked, Sam, about behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on in Scout with anything, but uh, I'm I'm pretty jazzed about this. Jazzed? Ooh. Uh, well, I'm pretty jazzed for tonight. If you're in Asbury Park, come say hi. WWE presents NXT Live on the boardwalk. I will... Uh, will Springsteen be there? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I but that's I'm, how... I think that, I know. That's how I'm spending my signing post-signing day vacation, and then... Uh, Noon tomorrow at the rack, uh, Minnesota versus Rutgers. But that Oof. that's our non-signing day chatter for now. So here is our conversation with Everett Wormley. All right, welcome back to the Rutgers ScoutCast. I am here with Everett Wormley, wide receiver from Burlington, who has officially signed as a Rutgers Scarlet Knight. Everett, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, so we're talking now, it is after National Signing Day, so you are officially a Rutgers Scarlet Knight after being committed for almost a year. How does it feel to write your name down and send it over to the Hale Center? Uh, it feels good, you know, it was a long time coming, seeing that it's been nine to ten months since I committed, so 
So I've been waiting on it for a while for it to be uh, official. It just feels great. A big part of you signing is that Rutgers is now able to send you stuff on the iCloud. They can send you training regiment. Have you been in touch with them yet about you know your next step in getting ready for Rutgers? Yeah, they. I asked them about when the training regiment is coming, and they're going to send over my my playbook on the on the iPad kind of thing. So it's like I log in into the app that they use, and I can watch the spring practices, all things like that. So I'm just looking forward to them sending all that stuff over so I can get ready and be prepared to go out and compete from day one. What is your mindset this spring then? Is it, like you said, you just got to get as ready as you can because you know there's playing time to be one? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm playing like, well, I'm training like I'm going in and trying to take a starting job. And the ultimate goal, goal is just get on the field anywhere I can, whether it's in the receiver rotation, uh, on special teams, it doesn't matter. But I just want to prepare myself for that, for that Big Ten schedule. Rutgers has gone through a lot of changes, whether it's new coaches that they've hired or obviously there were some decommitments before signing day, but you never really wavered on your commitment. Do you feel like the guys like you that stayed solid to Rutgers the whole time, do you feel like you're coming in now with something to prove? Um, definitely, yeah. I just want to prove to not only the families, but the entire Big Ten, the entire country, why I stuck with my decision and didn't really waver on it. Uh, I see the promise in this program, and I just trust in Coach Hatch's process about what he has going on and what his plan is to uh, take Rutgers to the next level. So to come in and prove why I believe in that, that that's the goal. I, uh, I had offensive coordinator Jerry Kill on the show last week. He said the most exciting thing about the recruits that he's brought in is your speed. How, how, how fast is this team? Because obviously I know you can run but you've worked out with these other guys enough to know how fast and athletic they are, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking for the receiving core, at least, almost all of us can fly, you know. Everybody knows Bo can fly. Um, I can take the top off of the defense. Eddie can. Uh, the fastest, probably the fastest one out of all of us is Tyler. Yeah. You know, Tyler is extremely fast because of those long strides. Uh, Shaneen. Even though nobody really talks about his speed, uh, he has enough speed to make defenses respect him. And then you have Hunter, who's just so quick in the slot, kind of like a Wes Walker kind of guy. He's not specifically fast, straight ahead fast, but he's just so quick. So it's just speed and quickness in our receiving court uh, for this class is probably the biggest attribute among, among us all. I've been talking to you for a while, and you're a guy that seems like you're pretty friendly with a lot of of recruits, so is it hard for you trying to figure out uh, who who am I going to live with or, or who do I want to room with? Because it seems like you're friends with pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pretty social guy, you know. I'm not afraid to talk to anybody, but I was prob- I'm probably going to end up rooming with one of the receivers. I know me and Bo talked about rooming with each other, so that's my, lo- my most likely roommate right now is me and Bo. But uh, we all talked about it before, and we're all just so tight right now over the past half a year or so, so it's just, it doesn't really matter at this point. You coming out of South Jersey, uh, that's an area of the state that Rutgers ignored at times, but it seems like Coach Ash, whether it's the guys he did end up signing like you, like Bo Melton, Owen Bowles, Najee, or even some other guys that he recruited like Marquise Bell, uh, it seems like Rutgers cares a lot more about South Jersey now. Have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, I had 
noticed that. And part of it is I don't think they necessarily ignored South Jersey. It was just that during South when when they were recruiting South Jersey, schools like Penn State were just coming and plucking up everybody. Because I know a couple guys like like Juwan Johnson, talented receiver, went to Penn State. Yeah, Evan Charles, talented receiver, went to Penn State. And you have uh, guys like Brad, like Brad Hawkins, who ended up going to Michigan. Calvin, who went to NC State. So they were recruiting South Jersey a lot. It's just they weren't landing them for some apparent reason. Is it something where you uh, you train with a ton of those guys with what you do at? NLG and then on the camp circuit. Is it something where you watched other guys leave the state and you decided that you maybe wanted to do things differently? Uh, yes, yeah, part of it. You know, I, I thought about trying to go play with those guys, but at the end of the day, it's like, look, um, my, I might as well just try to compete with them and show them I'm just as good, if not better. And uh, when you team up with other talented players like Bo, Tank, Najee, we could definitely show them, like, look, you could have stayed at home and did everything that you were doing and then something now. We've been talking for six or seven minutes now, and I can't believe I haven't brought up Jonathan Lewis yet. How confident and excited are you to have a quarterback like Jonathan Lewis on your team? Uh, I'm extremely, extremely happy that I have a guy like, like Jerry Lou. Um, to me, he was severely underrated. I was surprised he only had the handful of offers that he did, but... It, it's just, he fits the system so perfectly, it was like it was tailor-made for him. And to know that that kind of guy is going to be swinging the ball to me is exciting. His arm strength is, is amazing, and it doesn't matter how hard someone throws. I, I, catch, I tend to try to catch everything. So it's just for him to be back there swinging us the ball, all of us, we all know we're only going to go as far as John takes us, so we're all ready to rally behind him and have, his lead, have him lead us. Um, you getting the chance to play for an offensive coordinator like Jerry Kill, I guess, first off, what do you think of him as a coach? And then you've only known him for a couple weeks. Do you feel comfortable uh, playing with him? I definitely feel comfortable playing for Coach Kill. Um, hey, he, he won Big Ten Coach of the Year. So, I mean, if you won that award, you must be doing something right. Big Ten is, if not the best, one of the best conferences in all college football. So, um, just the scheme that he's run is proven to work. Uh, so I just have a bunch of trust in him. He came over to my house for, for an in-home. I sat down and talked to him for like an hour and a half. And he's just a real genuine guy who cares about his players and knows how to put his playmakers uh, in position to make plays. You're friends not only with people your age but younger. Who are some guys in 2018 that your average Rutgers fan needs to pay attention to in recruiting? Jersey guys, but uh, guys like Iverson Clement, one of the best running backs out there. Um, my dad said that Iverson kind of reminds him of Marcus Allen, the way he runs. He runs kind of straight up, but he's just so elusive when he runs. You have another running back, uh, Kyle Dobbins out of St. Augustine, put up ridiculous numbers. Uh, he's more low to the ground. Uh, he actually kind of reminds me of Lynn Rice a little bit, the way he runs. You have guys like Clayton Scott, uh, Shamir Collins, Marcel Ramos, those are two guys that haven't gotten the offer, but I'm pretty confident they will down the road. Uh, one of my own teammates, Alex Desiree, he's an offensive tackle, 6'5", 270. It can move really well. So it's just there's a lot of guys out here that uh, Rutgers needs to pay attention to. Rutgers fan base should pay attention to because they're guys up and coming in South Jersey who are going to take over once we leave.
Now, at the end of all these interviews, I ask every person that I talk to the same three questions about Rutgers, and, and the first one of those questions that I'm going to ask you, Everett, is who would you say is your favorite Rutgers athlete of all time? I have to go with Mo. You know, I've worked out with Mo plenty of times. He's kind of like my big bro. Uh, and what he did at Rutgers is amazing. What he's doing in the NFL, he's being very productive with the Atlanta Falcons. He's playing in the Super Bowl. So uh, I definitely have to go with Mo Smith. That's a safe answer and a smart one for a young wide receiver that's trying to <laughs> make some plays at Rutgers. Uh, the, the second question here, Everett, is when you think about Rutgers and Rutgers football, what is your favorite memory that comes to mind? Favorite memory that comes to mind? Well, I only started watching Rutgers football really a couple of years ago. But uh, if I have to have a favorite memory, it'd probably be I was watching that Maryland game. I think it was last year or two years ago that that crew uh, had that one-handed catch that they was ridiculous. Oh, when they came back down like thirty-five ten or whatever and won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was two years ago. Yeah, it was a few years ago. I, I know Crew had that crazy one-handed catch down the sideline. That was a good one. And Everett, my last question is, uh, with the time that you spent on Rutgers campus, do you have a favorite restaurant? Do you have a favorite place to go eat when you're at Rutgers? Uh, definitely the Fat Cat Sandwiches. All right. Hands down. Uh, the grease truck is amazing. Yeah, I, I think Kenny Parker might disagree, but I, I'm a fan as well. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Everett, I appreciate you joining the show with me today. Congratulations on officially becoming a Scarlet Knight. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right, welcome to the National Signing Day recap. And this is where I love having access to a national recruiting analyst because I get to commend you for... Bo Melton, well, I guess I should commend Bo Melton for making the final scout 300, but you have a lot of influence in that. And I also get to complain that some guys maybe aren't rated as high or lost stars. But in terms of the rankings, Rutgers, Rutgers finished pretty well. Rutgers, Rutgers out-recruited a lot of teams with better records. And Rutgers, most importantly of anything, and I've said this everywhere, Jerry Kills talked about it on this show, you've heard Chris Ash talk about it, Rutgers got its quarterback. And it's not a quarterback that nobody else wanted either. Rutgers got Jonathan Lewis, and that's huge. That's my favorite part about this recruiting class. Uh, my favorite part about this recruiting class is it's done. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chop. <laughs> if you're a Rutgers fan, you should be happy with your quarterback. And I've heard the comparisons to Cardell Jones. I've been hearing him for a year. Yeah, I think that's when you first wrote it a year ago. So yeah. when someone told me he was the next Cardell Jones. Yeah, and, you know... That's great and all. I hate putting pressure like that on kids, but it was also a really good quote that kind of spoke to his skill set, which is why I used it. It's still going to be a work in progress because Jonathan Lewis doesn't have Curtis Samuel to give the ball to or, you know, some of those other guys. Um, The big tight end that they had, Hireman, I think it was. There's a lot of guys that, you know, helped make Cordell Jones pretty darn good with Ohio State. But you got somebody who can run the offense. You got a powerful quarterback who can, you know, he's going to be a short to tackle. He's got a live arm. They got to get it in control. He's done a better job with it, with being accurate. 
He's going to make a ton of mistakes when he plays because, you know, he's a freshman. And, yes, I am expecting him to play. I think we all are. Um, Did you? Or, hear, yeah, if you heard Jerry Kill, I think if you heard Jerry Kill last week, everyone's expecting him to play look, pretty I, much right away. Well, I knew that that was going to be the case when I asked Jerry Kill what guys stood out on tape, and he named two right tackles and or two offensive tackles. And then I gave him about three minutes, and I asked him again at the skill positions, "What did you see?" And he said they got right tackle and a left tackle. Yeah. So that that said it all to me. Um, I think you spoke with him, and he talked about the long rebuilt process in front of them. But for the first time in, you know, Sam, your adult life, they got a quarterback that had more than one FBS offer, I think. You, know, you go back to Gary Nova. He was the last one that they brought in that had more than one offer. So good, great for them. It's just part of the process, but it's a pretty darn important part because with, with a good quarterback last year, maybe they win another game or two. All right, instead of dodging around the topic, you mentioned the one-offer thing, so let's just get into that right now. Rutgers brought in a ton of kids late that either flipped from FCS schools, didn't have anything else going on. Rutgers, you know, that's something that has happened before and been a problem and something that you and I have been very critical of when it comes to why this team is bad last year was look at all these kids that didn't have other offers, that didn't have anything going on, look how many walk-ons are playing. Are these late additions more of that, or is this something different? I think it's in the middle, and I think when I look at it, there's a couple things to look at with it. The first thing is that, you know, this head coach did his homework on these kids, so they're bringing in good kids, kids that have certain kind of attributes that they like. They trusted an offensive coordinator and offering and signing the Devera kid who they love him as a, I don't care, H-back, whatever, he's going to be a fullback for the most part, and right. then you do some other things with them. Hunter Hayek, is it a reach? I, I think it is. But yeah. on the flip side, at least there's attributes that they don't have in the program, and that's speed. He, I think, is a 10-7-8 in the 100 is his personal best, which if you you know figure out into the meet of champions, I think he would have finished fifth. Um, I think it's a six eight four in a fifty five meter indoor, which suggests some burst. Um, other than you know, you look in the program and what they have, and we all know I'm not the biggest Janarian Grant fan when it comes to catching the ball, but he does have speed, and Hayek is the same kind of player. So I understand it from that point of view. It's you know you'd like to get somebody who's bigger, stronger. Um, faster, you know, there's a reason that he played on a team with several Division One kids, including a guy that Rutgers has had committed for a while, and Rutgers didn't offer him until the very end. Things change. Part of it is the way recruiting has evolved in that everybody has their targets, and so the, the upper echelon teams will, you know, they're already pretty much full. The local you know, Pittsburgh's going to stay local when they take a kid like that. Maryland's going to stay close to campus when they take a kid like that. So Rutgers stayed close to campus as they fill out a class. If he's number 25 in your class or 26 in your class, I get it. The issue is when he's number 11 in your class. That's when, that's when I really have bigger issues. Or when I watch a kid on tape and talk to coaches and they say, no way, no how. And, 
you know, the staff even says don't do it and the head coach does it. That's not happening here. Everybody's on board with it. Makes me feel better about it. Something that you mentioned that's important to understand is how much recruiting has evolved. And I know that, especially for people on Scarlet Report that have been around for a while, they say, well, where's our signing day four stars? Where's Brandon Coleman? Where's, you know, Ian Thomas was a signing day guy. Like, look, this is recruiting is different now. Those guys are, yeah, they might flip somewhere on signing day, but those guys are locked in so much earlier that unless you're talking about a number five kid in the country that legitimately can wait until signing day, what you're doing on signing day is you're filling out your needs with the best available players that often cases are close to campus. Now, I asked I asked Jerry Kill about these late guys that they added that, honestly, a lot of them were based on his valuations. Elijah Barnwell, they moved on Raheem Blackshear in early January, got him on signing day. Hayek, Devera, and the thing that he brought up, and, and you mentioned it as well is well all of them have speed and at the end of the day you might not be as big as you want you might not be as good of a football player as you want but if you can run they're going to find something to do with you so from that aspect I don't have as much of a problem with adding these late guys and I love Elijah Barnwell taking him late over some of the other running back options they had on the table anyone that's been to a Biscataway game you could see what he can do, and as far as character and going into the background, I guarantee you Rutgers did its due diligence in taking Nadir Barnwell's little brother. And then my, my concern is what happens to all these guys if Rutgers goes on a 10th offensive coordinator in 10 years. You know, Jerry Kill's talking like he's here for the long haul, and I have more reason to believe him than I do Drew Maringer or Ron Prince. But what happens if he does leave next year and they switch philosophies again and these guys don't fit the offense anymore? That's my concern. They'll fit the offense because, you know, you, you still want speed and you're still going to run a spread. The biggest changes with Kill is, you know, how does he want his running back? If you're a good running back, they'll fit you in an offense. And so the only one is Devera, who's a fullback, but it is what it is. I mean, if we're going to sit here and talk about whether Rutgers make or break is getting Brandon Devara or Hunter Hayek or Elijah Barnwell. I mean, let's just end it now. Um, can one of them turn out to be really good? Of course they can be. But I think, you know, just to talk about what you say with the four stars, it would have been nice to have some four-star kid announce on signing day. But with the way recruiting is now, and if you're Rutgers, you want that four-star kid in the boat early so he can go recruit everybody, and so the coaches can say, he's here, look at him, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And so that's how you build momentum. If you're Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, yeah, that's what you're in at late. Florida State, you get those kids late. Just go look around the country and tell me how many programs outside of the top 20 are landing those four-star kids a day or two before signing day. There's not many of them. Well, the four-star kids that you are landing... Are Cordarian Richardson. At least you might have landed him at a school. I don't know. You might have to go check outer space with whatever happened there. UCF, but. baby. UCF signed with the uh, Golden Knights. Right, but that Jim was. Panagos' old school. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was after he committed to Maryland from outer space. Uh, thought he was committing to Rutgers, but wasn't being recruited by them anymore. Uh, decommitted from Clemson. Anyway, my point is the kinds of four stars you land, land late 
maybe not the kind you always want in the program. That is a very good way to put it. But, you know, for me, it's a good class. The misses of Bryce Watts and Amir Marset uh, hurt. The Watts thing, ridiculous. Goes to bed Tuesday night. He's going to sign with Rutgers. Wakes up Wednesday. All of a sudden, he's going to go back to Virginia Tech. That was just like a kick in the teeth. Uh, Amir Marset, that, that thing was not pretty in terms of wanting to go to, you know, one side wants to Minnesota, he wants to go to Iowa. Um, it's almost a three-side argument, too, because a lot of people wanted him at Rutgers, too. There were a lot of people that wanted him at Rutgers as well, and I just feel bad for the kid being pulled through things like that. It was just crazy. And then I, I you know, there's a part of me that feels bad for Rutgers because in the case of some of these kids, they're they're helping them academically. That way, If they don't get on board with Rutgers or deal with Rutgers early on, these kids aren't going to be eligible. And then they go somewhere else, and I said it on the board, and I'll say it here, you know, the high school coach can't force a kid to go somewhere, but he certainly can influence them and help them. And so many high school coaches in New Jersey um, talk a good game, and they'll say, oh, yeah, we love Rutgers, we love Rutgers. Just watch what they do. The next time, instead of asking me on the board, Hey, what's the relationship like with Rutgers? Just look and see. You want to know what the relationship is with Bergen Catholic? Cora Bedrizzi committed in the 2016 class late. They had him. Next weekend, he went off to Boston College and flipped right before signing day. So I don't care what you tell me with that. And, you know, you just go down the list. Go down the list, whether it's Waquaic, Toms River North, Cherokee, Salem. You know, Pope John didn't, you know, down Wade Perry didn't visit was supposed to. So... You guys get it. You, if if a coach says, "Yeah, I'm really big on Rutgers. I hope they have success there." Yeah, just just pay attention to what that coach did with his kids. Yeah, it's the same reason with recruiting. Why I say, watch the actions, not necessarily what they say. I mean, you remember what Trill Williams said on this podcast in December? If I believe his quote was, "Yeah, if Alabama offers me, I'm sticking with Rutgers." Well, then watch what he did and. He visited Syracuse. Right. Before he even decommitted, he went and visited Syracuse. And that's that tells you all you need to know. I'll say the same thing with guys like Bryce Watts, who, you know, he even tried to keep it quiet from Rutgers at times, but like he was visiting Virginia Tech, and when you're talking about visiting this school for eight months, you're not committed. No matter how nice, you know, how nice your quotes are when you're talking to Garrett after a game or when he's talking to you for a scouting report. On, just on the topic of four stars, guess what? Rutgers got some. I mean, I know that they didn't get as many in January as maybe people didn't want, but Rutgers, for the first time since Darius Hamilton, got the number one player in the state. And then you also got Bo Melton, and you got Tyshawn Fogg, who get a lot of people in Jersey want to leave, but he wanted to come back, and that's you know great for him. And, and you could say the same thing about Saeem Simmons, the three-star out of Alabama, wanted to come back to Jersey, so he came back. Rutgers found guys that want to be at Rutgers, and some of them have a lot of football talent. Yeah, it's funny. If Micah Clark commits two days before signing day and Tyshawn Fogg commits on signing day and Bo Melton commits on signing day, the narrative is so different for so many people. Oh, my goodness, they closed so strong and X, Y, Z. They went 2-10. and 10. They're still dealing with the impact of a program 
that was out of control, that they had to redo everything. And so, for, you know, you have a, a head coach going through it for the first time. It's his first head coaching job. I don't understand why people think everything's going to be perfect. I don't understand why they say, well, he didn't get this kid, so we're done. He's not the guy. How do you know? I mean, you know, the one thing is, what was Urban Meyer at Bowling Green? And I'm not saying Chris Ash is Urban Meyer. What I'm saying is, you don't know. The, the idea of this stuff is to learn as you go along. And that's how you become a good or great head coach. You do not walk into a job and say, huh, he's a great head coach. I mean, in business, that's not how it works. You don't get a big promotion and make zero mistakes along the way. It's part of the process. It's part of the build. And, I mean, to sit here and say things didn't go well because they missed on some kids at the end, geez, if they would have gotten those other kids at the end, everybody would be talking about how Chris Ash is the greatest recruiter ever. You know, not that he kept these kids in the boat when other schools, I mean, Bo Melton was close to visiting Penn State, and he elected not to. But since he was in the boat, nobody says, oh, what a great job Ash did of closing. That's the stuff that... I don't think people take time to think about it. I think everything's so reactionary of, you know, if a kid commits, he's got to be the greatest. If a kid decommits, boy, what a terrible job by the staff. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. It's a, it's a one-year cycle when you're grading Rutgers, which is why my grade for this class is relatively high. I mean, if I'm grading Rutgers, the Rutgers staff on how it recruited in January, maybe I'm not giving them the highest grade in the world because they lost kids and they, they didn't do well in trying to get some of the visitors on campus or trying to sell kids and relationships. But you know, the other 11 months, 10 months, Rutgers had some real, real success. You have to average all that out when you're breaking down a recruiting class. You, you talked Brian about, about learning from your first year on the job and how people, you know, maybe they don't know everything when they take that job. And I think... In ex- that, that's for everyone except me. Yeah, of course. Well, look at, look at what Rutgers is already doing differently year two. I mean, Chris Ash, some of the guys that had, you know, no ties locally or some of the guys that were too young and inexperienced are now gone and have been replaced by Jerry Kill, who's been doing this forever, uh, Henry Baker has tons of ties to Jersey as the new cornerbacks coach. He's changing those things. Look at the 2018 visitors. Yeah, they've had a junior day. They've had one or two kids stop by campus, but there's so much less of a focus on bringing all these kids in one by one, showing off the program because they didn't have a lot of success with that early last year, and now they can just focus on getting better as a football team. Things are changing, and whether they're going to work immediately, I don't know, but at least he's changing things that didn't work to find the right way to put the puzzle together. I think that's a good point because you're always trying to tinker with things. How do you change things? How do you make them better? What worked? What didn't work? Now they know their personnel a lot better, too, inside of the program. So they can use this time to really help develop those kids off the field, develop them in the weight room. They understand really where their deficiencies are. Last year it was just get everybody bigger and stronger. Now they see that maybe Tariq Cole needs to get a little looser, a little better knee bend, stronger in the upper body. You know, 
Janarian Grant needs to have a little more sideways wiggle instead of north-south wiggle. So they can work on things like that and really focus on that and, and focus on making sure these kids know the offense and the defense and how they're going to run it, be able to scout opponents like you do in the off season, And because they had so many kids on campus last year and throughout the season, a lot of the 2018s have already been there. So you can kind of take your time a little more, and they'll have another big junior day. I think it's February 18th or what the kids are telling Right, me. right. So there's that opportunity, and, and I think one of the, I guess the biggest thing that I can say is when you're talking about what you've learned, now when you go out recruiting in New Jersey, you should have a much better understanding of who you can trust and who you can't trust and think they're just blowing smoke at you. <laughs> That's a lot of people, by the way. Brian, in closing out our signing day breakdown, Rutgers, Rutgers brought in a lot of two-star kids and a lot of two-star kids from your region that you evaluated, a, a lot of them rightfully so, and you look at the other schools that were on them, and of course they're two-star kids. But of all these lower-rated guys in the class that Rutgers brought in, who, Brian, do you think is the one or the two guys that maybe maybe we're going to see, you know, in four years we're going to see the awful Twitter graphics of here's where this kid was rated and look what he's doing now, or, oh, this kid's a second-round pick and you had him as a two-star. Who, who do you think that guy is going to be in this class? I got nobody wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there, there's two kids that I really struggled with when it came down to evaluating and, and where to rank them. And I think it's going to come as a little bit of a surprise to some people. And now, before I say it, let me just make sure people understand this. If a kid goes to college for five years, and for four years doesn't play or is a little used backup, and in that fifth year is a starter and it clicks, and he goes on to the NFL, it doesn't make him a five-star kid. He's still a two-star kid because in five years, you got one year out of him. The stars are not based on whether you're going to the NFL and where you're going to get drafted. The stars are based on how much you're going to contribute and how big of an impact you're going to be in a college program. So understand that first off. Now that we had that lesson, the two kids I had the most trouble with, I shouldn't say trouble, but, but I really thought the most about were Shameen Jones, the receiver out of New York, of where I wanted to put him. Now, there's a big range when you're talking about three stars, where they can be high, where they can be low. Right. He is a kid I had a lot of trouble with because his athleticism is really, I think it's good. I think, it's, I think his athleticism is really good, but I never saw the consistency I wanted to when I saw him play, dealt with the injury, um, you know, you, you go back and you try to look at different histrionics and how often does a receiver from New York City come out and have this huge impact in a college game. Those are things you think about. Now, when you're talking about the two stars, and this is going to sound crazy, I, I think the kid that has the best chance of outshining his ranking is probably Hunter Hayek. Because... I listened to you who went and watched him play, and for whatever reason, um, you may have gotten this one right. could be the first time. 
you know. <coughs> Maurice French. <coughs> I don't remember that conversation. I invented your bro peppers. Go ahead. Anyway, but Hunter Hayek, because he does stuff on tape, because of what you said, I saw him at a camp, it's the speed aspect of it. And if he can be tight coming out of his breaks, and he has good hands, there's a chance to be a good receiver. You know, a good slot guy who can be, you know, cross the field and kind of get open on some of those corner posts and stuff. I really struggled with it. I remember when you called and told me that he was probably going to wind up at Rutgers. And may, was, may have already committed <laughs> and just waiting to announce his decision. Had to get into school and all that stuff, so we had to hold the story for a day or six. And so I went back and I watched him, and I'm like, boy, I, I know why he's a two-star, I do, but I could easily make him a three-star. And, and then, you know, one other one, quick one, is a guy who was on before, Everett Wormley. That was, that was my pick. And, and not just because you heard him on the podcast 20 minutes ago. And the reason for Everett Wormley is every time I've seen him, he really fought the ball when he tried to catch it. He had trouble being consistent catching the ball. But if he can catch it and he can work that out, I think he has a chance to be a really solid receiver. And then you're talking about fitting into a program. No offense, Sam, but give it another year. And with this, you know, the receivers they have in the program, I think you've got a chance to play. So um, he's going to have a lot of opportunity to play early and really develop in that sense too, which is great for him. And, and he's a great kid. So I hope it does work out for yeah. him. I, look, I hope all these kids, not just at Rutgers, but at every school, outshine their ranking because they're kids. I mean, you know, you can get mad as you want at guys like Bryce Watts and Amir Marset, but they're 17, 18-year-old kids, man. I mean, they're allowed to change their mind, make decisions you don't agree with. That, that's part of growing up. So you, you never want to see somebody fail. I, 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 don't, I don't understand the desire to have some 18-year-old fail in life. Yeah, I didn't, look, I, I'm sure most people can relate to this, but I didn't know where I was going to college until October of my senior year. <laughs> what if I committed to the University of Virginia in March of my junior in, year? You're never getting in there. Yeah, but uh, that in-state tuition, baby. Um, since you already discussed Everett Wormley, who is going to be my pick, I think he can come in and be a little bit more polished and game-ready than some of the other receivers they brought in. Uh, I'm going to go with Elijah Barnwell because it's a running back and you never know. You know, sometimes a running back, you just, you don't see it at all. And then in the right opportunity, in the right scheme, behind the right lineman, it just clicks. I think Barnwell has that chance because I, I think he's a gamer. And after, the net, again, you mentioned the receivers that are leaving after these running backs leave this year. Well, who else is playing? I mean, you're talking about... <laughs> Three kids competing for a job, and the Piscataway kid, he's been competing for a while, and Piscataway kids in general, you either go one way or another. You go the Anthony Davis or you go the Juwan Wynn route. Oh, Juwan Wynn, good call. Remember our good friend Jason Baum was a big Juwan Wynn fan. I think he still owes us lunch for that bet. But, uh, <laughs> if you were allowed to bet. Piscataway kids know what they need to do at Rutgers, and Dan Higgins prepares them for what they need to do. Now, whether they do that or they, Nadir Barnwell, that's another story, but I think that Barnwell is going to, Elijah Barnwell is going to come in, work hard, and he's going to get every opportunity to make some plays. Yeah, and I think it's unfair to sit there and compare Elijah to Nadir because 
Very different kids. Yeah, and, and if you have a brother or sister and they do something asinine, I'm sure you'd really appreciate it if people then judged you based on what your sibling did. He's always been pleasant. Harvey, we've known for years, their dad, always been a great guy. Awesome. That's what was always so disappointing about Nadir is, you know, you, you get to know, and I, I knew Nadir since his freshman year of high school, um, you know, just disappointing decisions and stuff, but you live with it. But with Elijah, I can understand why he'll have some success. If, if the offensive line is capable and can open holes, you can make an average running back look really good. I mean, we've seen that before with Rutgers. And if you're a really good running back, an offensive line can, you know, make you just a good running back, too. It's the, the key is do you have escapability, but with what Jerry Kill wants to do offensively with how they're going to spread you out, they think Barnwell can get through the hole. Um, I think, though, when you look at recruiting moving ahead, you, you better go find some dudes in this next class who can carry the ball. And, you know, we'll also see what happens with spring practice on whether they move guys like DeCoven Bailey to running back or, you know, remember Charles Norway had a storied career in high school. I don't think he's kind of that kid. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> you know, um, we'll, we'll see how that all transpires with him. Another guy I like a lot. I hope it works out, but it's a tough spot. But look, Elijah Barnwell, the fact that he was willing to talk about what happened with his brother, not that a lot of people wouldn't, and he's always been cool talking about it with me. And you guys that chose to read the story I wrote about him on signing day when he signed and announced his commitment. Um, <laughs> he actually committed before signing day. Right, but, we'll, but that's a, again, always, we, always protect the kids. That's what we do, and I don't care if other sites choose not to. Uh, but look, he said, and this was a very clear shot at people that used to work at Rutgers, he said, I know I'm going to play for a coaching staff that's going to be there to support me if I do something wrong. Look, and that's the whole thing, right? Um, you always take action. You always, you always take responsibility for your actions or your shift. So everybody that got in trouble should. But it's going to be a heck of a lot harder for kids to slack off and get in trouble with Chris Ash because the moment... Somebody comes into his office and said, I'm hearing this may have happened. It is getting, not even did, may have. Look out, because that is not a conversation you want to be in. Look at all the people that magically stopped practicing or starting and... and Look at who's here, look at who's not here. The same stuff that used to happen under Greg Schiano that never got talked about. I remember hearing stuff all the time being a student about kids getting in trouble at frat parties and fights and stuff. (laughs) It happens everywhere. But then they magically stop playing or they're magically suspended. There are repercussions for their actions. and Here you bad. became the starting quarterback if you snuck out of the dorms with an underage, alleged underage license to drink or underage drinking with a fake license. You were able to be the starting quarterback. Well, no, he was benched for a half. Oh, fair point. I, I think the best thing I heard, and I, I feel like it's this way under Chris Ashes, I was talking to a former player about what it was like with Shiano if you got in trouble. And, he, and this was classic, and it was dead-on truthful, too. He said, you know, I think I'd rather be arrested than let Coach Shiano know that I got in trouble. He goes, because the arrest would be much nicer. Yeah, I remember uh, talking to a former quarterback that may or may not have done an interview with the site this week. Saying, oh, yeah, I've gotten in trouble before. And the next morning at 4 a.m., I was rolling around in those sand pits on Piscataway Beach. That's the kind of stuff that Rutgers went through. But, again, this has nothing to do with signing day. Brian, final thought on signing day. Uh, 
Rutgers got better. They improved their talent markedly. It was almost impossible not to pr- improve their, mar- their talent markedly. There is still a tremendous way to go, but finally you have some kids in the program who you feel like can be playmakers in two years or whatever. You know, Maybe Bo Melt makes a few plays as a freshman, but it's more likely later on. And you can finally start to see it. And if you can get three starters on offense this year, three on defense, and keep that going, that's how you get healthy as a program. That's how you build depth. To me, they got a lot better, and they got high-character kids. To quote Steve Peichel, Rutgers went 1-0. and Mailbag time here on the Rutgers Scout cast. I decided to let Brian go on with his day instead of sticking around for the mailbag. You know how he is with fidgeting and sitting still, and it was becoming an issue if you listened into that whole signing day recap segment. So it's just me for the mailbag. For those that need a reminder or for those that are new listeners, submit your questions to me for the Rutgers mailbag at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter, Sam Hellman Scout on Facebook, or through scarletreport.com. Send me a message or post a question in our premium forums, and you guys get first dibs. Subscribers got first dibs this week where we go on topic and we go off topic. It won't be too long of a mailbag because it's already been too long of an episode, frankly. So the on-topic question this week came from UDRU fan. He asked me, Sam exclamation mark what do you think of hiring coach henry baker to the staff question mark i think he's a great pickup coming from delaware exclamation mark exclamation mark question mark um udru fan seems very excited about the hire and look i i am too i think it was a good choice it caught me a little bit by surprise with how quickly it went down because Frankly, I don't know how Coach Chris Ash found the time to interview multiple candidates for that job while he's out on the road keeping a recruiting class together. I think it was good to have someone in place because, you know, who knows, maybe Henry Baker clicks last minute with a Bryce Watts or a Amir Marzette or whatever, and you're able to grab one extra kid in your recruiting class. And that didn't happen, and I don't hold that against Baker. He barely there. I mean... On National Signing Day, he wasn't even on campus because he's still moving from Delaware. But he's in place now. We'll get you a conversation with the new cornerbacks coach as soon as possible. That was actually going to go down yesterday, but was postponed because of the weather concerns in the area. By the time you're listening to this, who knows if there's snow or not. I, I have no idea. There's nothing on the ground while I'm recording this, and it's 60 degrees out. It was glorious and victorious on Wednesday when I'm recording this Q&A. Anyway, I think it's a good hire. Not paying him too much, but as you guys know, Chris Ash had to get a lot of money to make some of the other hires and keep some of his original staff together. So there's not, you know, money don't grow on trees at Rutgers, even though Pat Hobbs has been very accommodating so far from everything I understand. Baker's a good hire. He he had some NFL opportunities, I was told, but decided to stick in the New Jersey area, which is cool to have another guy with some North Jersey ties, spent a lot of time in the area. I've been critical in the past of not having enough guys that know the area, and I'm not talking about just relationships. You can build relationships anywhere, but it 
you need people that understand the Rutgers, New Jersey climate, and I think that Baker is going to do a good job of that. I, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do in getting those corners to take the next step. It really remains to be seen. Again, he's barely in place, but I like the hire. And the thing to keep in mind that's most important is that Bill Bush is still your defensive back coach. I think Bill Bush is one of the more valuable assistants and definitely one of the most underrated or under-discussed on Chris Ash's staff. He's the guy in charge of that room. Henry Baker is there to work with the corners underneath Bush and to also help recruit and do everything else that you do as an assistant coach. When it comes to adding a 10th coach, should that rule get passed, we'll cross that when we come to it, but I I would think that an in-staff promotion is pretty likely there. But again, we'll cross that when we get there. Thanks for the question. Off-topic question came to me via private message from Kogod. Kogod asks, Sam, what would you do differently in covering National Signing Day and recruiting this year if you could do it again? It's a really interesting question. It's kind of weird. I mean, I don't... I picked this question, well, because it was the only one. Please send more. I like the question. I just I don't really know how to answer it. I mean, I'm pretty confident and comfortable with the way that I protected my sources, with the way that I kept you all, the listeners, or even more so our Scarlet Report subscribers, informed. I didn't burn any kids while other people were desperate to burn kids just for the chance to say that they broke something. That's not what I do. I, I guess, you know what, if I did something differently, I'm still trying to figure out what Rutgers fans like. <laughs> and that's funny because it's been, I mean, I've literally been covering Rutgers for nine and a half years now. I wrote my first Rutgers article in September of 2007, an interview with some guy named Scott Goodale for the Daily Targum my first day on campus. And I still don't really feel like I have a good grasp of what Rutgers fans like and what they don't like. There are things that I thought would blow up, would get tons of reaction and buzz and discussion and views on the site that got totally ignored or just, oh, that's nice, and then clicking on to the next thing. Stuff like, you know, I didn't see A.J. Blazek talking about early enrollees anywhere else. Even talking one-on-one with Chris Ash or Dan Spittle or Rick Mance, really a lot of these podcast things I've done and the articles that go along with them didn't get as much traction as I thought. You know, I said in December when we were talking about under-the-radar visitors that I thought one would get people pretty excited, and that was Duop Mitchell, and it, it really didn't. And I'm surprised by that, and that's on me. i got to figure out what fans are more interested in because the, the other thing is things that I consider throwaway or pointless or I almost don't even want to write a story on it are some of the hottest topics of the month. I mean, the walk-on kicker, Justin Davidovis, was... I mean, he had more threads and more discussion about him than... Then Tyshawn Fogg, a four-star linebacker, telling me he's 100% committed not taking any other visits. So I guess what I need to do differently in 2018 or what I would have done differently last year to answer the question, probably just be more open-minded and try to make fewer predictions as far as what fans will care about because I think if this year's told me anything, it's I don't always, I don't always know. So, I, and that's on you guys too. Let, let me know what interests you and what doesn't and what you want to discuss. 
because the you know people will complain or people will criticize and say that the media or certain outlets or me or whoever is too negative. Well, those are the things that people read and discuss. The positive stuff gets ignored a lot, and I'd love to have more engagement on the happy stuff, the positive news for Rutgers, because that's kind of what I'm all about is making people feel good about being Rutgers fans. That's what I would love to do as much as possible. But, yeah, so that's the mailbag. And, as always, send me questions for next week, please. And so it is. Another Rutgers scout cast has come and gone the 49th of them. And before you ask, yes, I'm aware of the way that this show opened. That was not an accident or something I forgot to cut out. Just a little peek behind the scenes of how Brian does his best to make me as irritated and irritable as possible before each show begins. Anyone that's met Brian knows that he likes to tweak people and he's very good at tweaking me. And that's exactly what he does every time before we hit the record button. It's why I like to do things like bring up Janarian Grant or the Quick Lane Ball, things that I know will get under his skin in return. You're going to see more of that as we transition into year two of the Rutgers Scout cast. The anniversary is very soon. We're approaching our 52nd episode very soon. This was the second time that we've gone past the one hour mark. The first time being when Chris Carlin joined the show to preview the season and talk about his involvement in the Our Big Ten Build Fund. Well, over at Scarlet Report, we are also trying to build, trying to take the next step And it's been great seeing the site grow through signing day. Uh, Numbers are up in terms of our subscribers coming over. But even with signing day gone, there's still plenty going on, plenty of news and plenty of insider information. So if you are one of the folks that listens to this show for free but does not subscribe to Scarlet Report, you know you can contact me, shelman at scout.com. Mention this show and I can hook you up with an extended free trial. It's not just access to a premium message board with what we do it's so much more it's 10% off Rutgers gear 10% off tickets access now to articles across the network and our friends at CBS that should be an exciting way to see how this grows even more and before the very very inconsiderate leaf blowers outside I don't know why you're guys it's gonna snow a lot in like three hours. I don't know why you're blowing leaves right now. If you can't tell, I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon to try and wrap up the show and get it to you as soon as possible, Thursday night or Friday morning. Anyway, these uh, leaf blowers have totally thrown me off my game, and this show has gone on long enough, so I will simply say I am Sam Hellman, the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, the publisher at Scarlet Report, five years and counting. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.